Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here to discuss Season 3, Episode 3 of Farscape. Self-Inflicted Wounds, Part 1, Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. So, as a reminder, Zan is dying. Yeah, so you mentioned at some point that this felt like a Star Trek episode more than a Farscape episode. Yeah. And upon reflection, I feel like the ship that crashes into and merges with them is a very Star Trek-esque ship. And it's like Star Trek is literally infecting Farscape. I mean, John kind of points it out at one point. He points out that what the aliens that Moya's merged with or whatever, that uh, they're using Technobabble. They're even humanoids with prosthetics. Like, it's it's Star Trek up in here. And I'm just going to bring it up now so I don't forget to mention it later. The two ships are phased together. And they use the Star Trek transporter noise to indicate the phasing. It is so distracting. I'm, I feel like I can't really say this anymore because I've seen enough Star Trek, but... I'm not really a Star Trek person, but I've seen enough Star Trek for it to be mega distracting that they use. uh... Oh, see, I never found that distracting. I always felt that that was really cool. I was like, oh, it's the phasing sound, as though the phasing sound is the same everywhere. It's one of those things, like, uh, when you recognize stock sound effects and stuff, it kind of takes me out of the moment. Like the, uh, what's it called? Oh, uh, not not the uh, Wilhelm scream. Nope, that's what I meant, the Wilhelm scream. No, I meant not the Wilhelm scream for me because that's like a, it's like a standard thing. That's like, it's a winky thing when they use it. But if, you know, someone's using telekinesis and it's the same like wing thing that they used for Jean Grey's telekinesis in X-Men Evolution, I'm like, oh, I, I guess you bought the same sound pack that they got for X-Men Evolution. Oh, that's interesting that that bothers you. Or if it, or if it's a noise that I have for free on my computer, I'm like, you are a TV show. Like, you should not be using stock sound effects that came for free with my computer. Oh, it really bumps me when people use some of the GarageBand presets on, on from Apple, Apple GarageBand, mm. only because... I like, I'll start to hear the one song and I'll think it's that Bo Burnham song where he uses the garage band sound effect. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh, no, it's a different song. It's your own thing. Also, I'm pretty sure I can't swear to this because I feel like it's hard to look up. But I am pretty sure that a couple of TV shows have used Sims music. I hear Sim. Well, okay. Now this is. Not them singing in Simlish, but like. No, no, I definitely have heard Sims music and not. Yes. And, okay, so this isn't fair because it's, uh, it's what it's for, Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, whenever a TikTok uses the, the me lounge song, whatever it is from, yeah, from, from the Wii, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pulled out of it, even though, I mean, the whole point of TikTok is that they have those, that sound library that people recontextualize. Yeah, I've sort of mentally filed that as it, it's just become my go-to thinking music because I see it. I, I'm i not on TikTok because I'm not cool. But as you can tell from this being a Farscape podcast, but I, I've, I watch YouTube videos where people use it as like the thinking music. And now that's sort of just where it is mentally. But that, that never happened with uh, Sims stuff because I always just think you got that music from The Sims. That's interesting how that's the default thinking song now, as opposed to the Jeopardy thinking song that used to be the default. Yeah. Huh. Huh. 
I mean, I guess sort of cultural touchstones shift, although God knows the weave is like over a decade old at this point, right? I, I genuinely think TikTok brought it back as the thinking sound. Uh, yeah, TikTok revives a lot of yeah stuff. So let's talk about Farscape. Yeah, Farscape. Self-inflicted wounds. This is a this is a multi-parter. I did not care for this episode. I really like this episode. There's a lot of stuff happening in this episode, too. There's like 10 different plots going, and two of them are going to be part of continuing things. Okay, I think I've talked about this before, but one of my issues with Farscape is that it feels like every episode either has way too much plot or way too little plot, and it never feels like it evens out correctly. Again, the whole Shadow Depository thing, they had, like, three episodes worth of plot in the first episode, and then they had, like, half an episode's worth of plot in the next two. Yeah, that first episode was, like, perfect, and then the second two really should have been one. I agree. Although, it's weird because I do really like the first Shadow Depository episode, and I did not care for this. Hmm. Also. Interesting. Well, I was just gonna say, I think maybe you not liking Jewel might have been part of it. Okay. We should wait until she shows up, but yeah, I have some serious issues with Jewel. All right, so here's what's going on as we open up. Aaron and Dargo are moving around the Interion cryopods for reasons. Hmm. And Dargo is still super sad because his girlfriend slept with his son, which... <laughs> that happened hours ago. <laughs> and... He's still talking about Joffy like Joffy's on the ship. Does he not know Joffy left? No, he knows Joffy left. He Remember, he was watching it on the view screen. Hmm. No, the really disturbing thing is when Aaron's like, oh, they're just kids. You can't hold it against them. It's like, well, Chiana's his girlfriend. So if your thing is they're just kids, then he definitely shouldn't be dating her. That is an accurate... I mean, honestly, I feel like Chiana's more Dargo's age than, you know, Jothy's. I feel like she's just sort of manic pixie dream girl-ish. Okay, so I feel like... She's Natalie Portman in uh, Garden State. I feel like Jothy being in a slave colony made him grow up fast. And Dargo being in prison for several cycles gave him arrested development. Hmm. So I think Chiana's okay dating either of them. But really, the fact that Chiana still feels like a kid and she wants to be on the go. And she is still kind of feeling the effects of everything the Nabari did to her. Whereas Dargo wants to, like, buy a farm and settle down. I wear combat boots and a tutu, and my suitcase is a cello case. Okay, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair, because Chiana has has a developed inner life. And and the problem is that... She ha the problem with her and Dargo is that she has her own needs and desires. And the whole thing about a Minic Pixie Dream Girl is that she's written by a usually male author to be a woman who has nothing internal and just serves to bring the guy's story where it needs to be. So, do you remember the movie Elizabethtown, which a lot of people point to as sort of the genesis of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Well... I've never seen Elizabethtown, mm -hmm. but it literally is the genesis of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl in that that phrase was first used by Nathan Rabin in his review of it. Okay. I mean, like, in time, it's not the first one, but it's the it's the first use of that phrase. So I saw Elizabethtown. Mm -hmm. I barely remember it, but I feel like Kirsten Dunst's character lacked a lot of the hallmarks of that archetype. Because I mostly just remember her being, like, a nice waitress lady. 
like she didn't have the sort of aggressive goofiness a lot of that character free spiritness like i think she was a free spirit but she wasn't you know it didn't manifest in her having weird hobbies or you know huh that's interesting that the term kind of took on its own meaning even though the character that i said i've seen elizabeth town but you're saying she's much more grounded than yeah uh, anyway farscape so- Zan needs to get planted immediately or she is going to die. Yes. Zan is dying and they need to stick her into the ground so she can blah, 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 plant lady. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I guess they can't freeze her because she'd regular die. I know I need to let that go, but... The yeah, fact- she's a plant. She would die. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Plants plants die when you freeze them. That is true. Uh, killing frost, in fact, refers to the killing of plants. So that song where a girl loses her horse in a killing frost is just really sad for that girl and that horse. Because normally those happen on, like, pretty clear nights. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, the songwriter didn't know what this... Uh... Yeah, because it sounds grim, right? A killing frost. I, I mean, I guess it is grim, especially if you're Zan. So Pilot's like, hey, John, I need you to check something out. And John's like... There is literally nothing that can distract me from the fact that we have to get to a soil planet immediately. Pilot, no matter what you say next, I am not going to change my mind that we need to get to a soil planet right now. And Pilot's like, there's a wormhole. (gasps) Yeah. That's John's thing. He's the wormhole guy. You know, I said before that this is the final time John kills Zan, mm-hmm. but actually this, this is, is John killing Zan because if he stuck to it and was like, no, it, I, wormholes, the most important thing in my life, but I can't, we have to go. Everything else that follows wouldn't have happened. That's true. Also, dude, like, what do you think's going to happen with this wormhole? It's not going to take you back to the same place. No, no, he wants to take readings. Oh. And in fact, that's what he says. He's like, well, just stop here for like 30 seconds so we can take all the readings so I can do all my science stuff. Because at core, at, at heart, John is, well, at heart, John is a bard, but his skill set is a scientist. So so we get kind of an inverse of the first episode, because unlike when uh, John, you know, got spit out of the wormhole and blew up Grace's uh, brother, this time someone else gets spit out of the wormhole and they... Right into Moya. Okay, so I hadn't really thought about that, but one of the things that I really like about Farscape is the way that it continually subverts expectations of sci-fi shows. And you're right. Here, instead of John coming out of the wormhole and crashing into Crace's brother's ship, the Star Trek ship, I mean, that's, let's yeah. Call, yeah, the Enterprise. I mean, it doesn't look anything like the Enterprise, but... For our purposes, it's... The Enterprise F. It's the Enterprise F. Yeah, it pops out and it crashes into him. He has this whole, like... John has just gotten a handle on the fact that they are in a different kind of space and our aliens are different space. And now that he's finally figured out what's happening... Nope, just kidding. Here comes Star Trek to fuck up your day. Yeah. These were the aliens he was expecting. How? See, I, I, I just really like this show. Anyway, the alien ship is like 
coming crammed up Moya. Well, it's coming straight at them. So John's like, ah, starburst. So you know, so we can get out of the way. But all that happens when they starburst is that the ships phase together. And now it's like, oh no, this is bad. Oh, do you mean that in this episode there's a transporter accident? Yes! You know, I I'm realizing now that I should have shown you that one episode of Star Trek where Jordy and Roe are involved in a transporter accident that causes them to be phased out of you existence. You have shown me that one before. Oh, okay. Well, that's the episode I always think of when I watch this episode. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. It just reminds me of, I don't remember which episode it was of Star Trek, but the one where I guess nothing happened for a while. So they hit like a space speed bump and one of the ensigns got like phased partially through the floor. And it had, like, nothing to do with the rest of the episode. It was just that nothing had happened for so long because, you know, Star Trek is very often an incredibly boring show. I mean, I can see how it's not up everyone's alley, but for the most part, it kind of is up my alley. Uh, Next Gen, by the way, specifically. There's a lot of stuff in original series that I find boring. My, I mean, I can't talk my favorite uh, series is Lower Decks because it is short and it is funny. Well, I mean, I think the episode I did with Jane Miles for Jane Miles Explain the X-Men is coming out today, the same day that this podcast comes out, mm-hmm. if, I, if I did my math correctly. And for that podcast, I rewatched the original series episode Where No Man Has Gone Before, which is generally accepted to be one of the best episodes. And I was like... So bored for a lot of it. As a sci-fi geek, it's embarrassing to admit it, but here we are. Were there no bikini women in that uh, episode? As is, we know from uh, Star Trek Space is just full of bikini women. There were no bikini women in that episode. You had to think on it, though. I did have to think about it. Anyway, the aliens come out of the Enterprise F, and as I mentioned, they are... Humanoids with prosthetics, although... More complex prosthetics than we usually see from Star Trek words. Forehead ridges! Yeah, I mean, this is still Farscape, so it's still, like, they spent probably 12 hours in that makeup chair. And it's one of those things, again, with Lower Decks, where I'm like, is that person an alien? Or, honestly, when I'm actually watching real Star Trek, Lower Decks is real Star Trek, but when you're actually watching, like, real Star Trek, where I'm like... I can't tell if that person's creasing their forehead or if they're supposed to be an alien. Yeah, I mean there's there's no question with these with with these aliens. They are they are like aliens on the dating reality show Sexy Beasts. Yeah, I was trying not to do that comparison, but yes. That is do, what they look like though. They do look like aliens from the TV show Sexy Beasts. And which, it's because it's because they're humanoid except for their heads, which are entirely alien. That's why that's why it feels like sexy beasts to me. If you haven't seen Sexy Beasts don't i mean it's we 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 made it through all of the episodes in like an afternoon because there's like six of them and they're pretty short but it's 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 a it's a dating show where you're rooting for the people you like the most to not end up with the main people because they're all always terrible yeah everyone on that show is terrible honestly if you're curious about it the youtuber jarvis johnson did a video on it that i i feel like it gives you everything you need yeah as opposed to, say, Love is Blind, where you can find videos recapping it on the internet, but I endorse watching the whole thing on Netflix, but that might just be me. I like reality shows through the uh, lens of people, you know... Recapping it on the internet? 
yeah, doing like funny recaps in about six minutes. I don't need to know everything that happened in The Bachelor in Paradise. Okay, well, The Bachelor is like 90 minutes per episode, so. Yeah, and all the interesting stuff's in the meta, like how he did all, how that guy, um, what? Uh, the channel's called Bachelor Fantake. Where Bachelor Fantake uh, proved that the guy that the show was pretending was naked wasn't actually naked. They just put a black bar over his bathing suit and acted like he was naked. Yeah. Like, that, that's fun, and that's not something you get watching the episode directly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I need my, my bachelor and bachelorette filtered through a guy throwing up office memes next to the yeah. clips. So anyway, the Star Trek aliens come out, and they are so from a different universe that they don't have translator microbes. <sighs> yeah. And... John, like, immediately realizes it, because he's like, oh, I know this. This is exactly what happened when I crashed on into this ship. So, are they from a different universe, or from are they from a different part of this universe? They're from a different part of this universe. I guess the they, universe is a pretty big place. Right. I mean, they are from very far away, just like John is. They came through a wormhole. Hmm. And also, we'll find out later that they don't, uh, like injecting unknown <laughs> unknown microbes into their bodies so weird yeah uh so only only the person that they first give the translator microbes to takes them the rest of the crew doesn't get them meanwhile pilot is flipping the hell out because you well, know like physically like he's he's overstimulated there's a ship in, in him yeah but stark's like so can, do we, like, throw a blanket over you, or how, how are we resolving this? And He's pilot's like, like blah, 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 blah. Pilot's like, my, my, my sensors, I, I need you to. And Dargo's like, you need us to turn them on, flip, 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 flip them backwards. Uh, and Pilot's like, take them off! <laughs> like, that seems obvious, right? <laughs> like you said, it's like throwing a blanket over him. Anyway, Dargo's got to go pull out the sensor. I do like that the Star Trek alien ship is, like, clean. Like, yeah, like that, Star Trek. Yeah, that, like, when we're in the parts of, you know, it that have merged with Moya, it's just this very clean, very early 2000s MacBook design. It looks like the future of the 1970s. Hmm. They've even got silver jumpsuits. Yes, yes, they do. And everything is, like chrome tubes that like come together to form archways and stuff it's yeah it's 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 uh silent running it's 1970s futuristic Mm. which is not as good as 1950s futurism which is the best aesthetic but i still kind of like it in a retro futuristic way anyway these aliens are also investigating wormholes also they are both trapped in a wormhole now. And they can't just exit it wherever. They have to exit where they came in. Because, mm. yeah. Otherwise, I don't need to explain that. That's obvious, right? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Zan has, like, way less traumatic dying makeup than she had last episode. Well, she has the hood over her head. That Yeah, and she doesn't have, like, the black boil stuff. She just has sort of this red mark on her forehead yeah but i feel like the black boils were all underneath the uh hood the hood the the head covering that she has so stark comes up to her and he's like hey so you holding in okay and she's like nope dying gonna die soon he's like really because it's been like 
three episodes since you started dying. You really can't tough it out like another two episodes or so. And she's like, dying. Yeah, she also says she saw a giant snake out the window, which is an omen that she's about to die. Sometimes snakes just exist, Zan. Sometimes there are just snakes. Although maybe maybe it's a like self-fulfilling prophecy thing. Oh, like she stops fighting because she sees a snake? Oh, no, I meant you see a snake and you're like, oh my god, it's an omen of death. And then the snake kills you. Oh, yeah. I can see that happening a lot. Yeah. Anyway, Stark's like, you're just hallucinating. And I was like, yes, because I am dying. Also, why uh, giant space snakes exist? I mean, they do exist. We find out that this is not a, a vision or a hallucination. It's an actual snake that lives in the wormhole. I guess the way she phrased it, you know, oh, I saw a snake, therefore I'm going to die, would make him think hallucination and not actual giant space snake. Well, I mean, I would I would think that Stark would take her at her word and be like, oh, yeah, Omen, right? You and I were connected to, like, a deeper thing. Can you just, like, tell Death to leave her alone until they find <laughs> Isn't that part of his power set? Just... He can't put off death, no. He can't just push it over to, like, one of the other aliens on the ship. No. Just give it a little tap. Oh, actually, that's a good question. If he could have... I mean, because essentially, Zan is dying because she gave her life force to Aaron. Like, could he sacrifice someone else for Zan? I don't know. It doesn't come up, but... Hmm. I'd imagine he would if he could have. Or, yeah, he would if he could have. Could have, would have, should have. Mm, yeah uh, yeah the the title of this episode i they also have this conversation where stark tells zan that because of what he does he has this like darkness inside him every time he helps a person cross over to death like a bit of them stays with him and there are a lot of dark people that he's helped cross into death so he has a lot of darkness in him oh is is this why he can't do the thing i'm constantly suggesting where he like he just guides all of the people who are hunting them into death. Well, I think the implication is that he has done that... Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Yeah. And Scorpius is too... What, what, what's the TV tropes thing? Uh, too spicy for Yogg-Soth or whatever? Oh, I, I don't know that. I mean, I, I get what you're saying from context. Yeah, it's that trope where, you know, a telepath is going up against someone evil and they're so evil that, you know, it, it hurts the telepath. Or... Oh, a Dune reference. Too spicy. Okay, got it. Got it. Oh, I I, I assumed it was a Lovecraft thing, but... No, I think that's a Dune reference. Ah. Uh, but... I yeah. mean, it refers to a bunch of stuff. That was the first example I could think of. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about all of the things that Stark needs in order to help someone cross over, and I don't think Scorpius would ever really put himself in that position. Yeah, I think Scorpius knows enough to not put himself in that position, and I think that, I mean, Stark definitely would have helped Scor- helped Scorpius cross over <laughs> if uh, if there was ever an opening for that, given their history. Anyway, he he doesn't want Zan to die because she's like, she's like the goodness that's anchoring him and keeping him from just feeling all the darkness all the time. Okay, dude. I mean, I I, I know. Relatively speaking. She's only killed a few people. It's fine. Pilot grew his arm back. It's fine. Yeah. I I think it's interesting, too, because the things that Zan, that makes Zan dark are, you know, the times that she did what's basically Stark's profession. 
I mean, I guess it's because she was starving to death. I'm like, it's weird she's not doing that seeding thing she did last time she almost died. But. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, I think you're right that it's because this is a different kind of injury. It's still weird, though. I mean, you'd think that, uh, you'd think that starving to death would be one of the times you don't release those spores because obviously it means there's no resources for. Huh. I probably should be picking this sort of thing apart. Yeah, I don't think about that xenobiology a lot. No, 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 you would. You would spore because, remember, she becomes like a cloud of spores, of like allergens, and you want it to float on the wind to an area that's more fertile, that's more... I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, John needs to wake Pilot up so that they can starburst out of, uh, out of the wormhole. And his, his deal is, look... Here's the thing. We'll just starburst out of the wormhole and then we'll figure out how to get separated. And, um... That seems like a bad idea. That seems like a really, really bad idea. Yeah, uh, we just need to do the thing that... I mean, it it seems like that has major... Uh, it seems like that, that might destroy both Moya and the other ship, right? Right. And also, like, when you starburst, you're like... It, it's like you're transporting, right? So if you have another thing inside of you, I, 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 no, bad idea, John. Bad idea. John, John, John rolled a one on his wisdom check for this one. Meanwhile, Chiana and Dargo have decided to spend their last moments hashing out their awful relationship. Seriously, he's like, um, if you didn't want to marry me. You could have told me some way other than having sex with my son. And Chiana's like, I'm sorry, it's the only way I know how to communicate. God. Uh. Anyway, down in the cargo bay, Rigel has opened up the pod that has the interior on it. And John's like, what are you doing? And Rigel's like, I don't know, stuff was coming out of it. So I tried to turn the thing. And John's like, that's because it self-regulates. And then you just opened it. Dumbass. And Rigel's like, whatever. Who cares if this dumb alien dies? And then it turns out, uh-oh, she's hot, I guess. Yeah, she's hot. I mean, she's objectively hot. Mm. You know she's objectively hot because her outfit is like a leather dress. I mean, she's, I guess she's attractive in like a Mina Savari kind of way. Yeah, yeah. That's a, actually a really accurate description. Oh, also, I just have to... No offense to Mina Savari, who I no. know listens to this podcast. But is also hot. Like, no, I, I'm saying that's the kind of look she has. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that I led into it with a qualifier. I guess she's hot oh. in a Mina Savari kind of way. Sure. Which is not a compliment. <laughs> and but, uh, Mina Savari's a very attractive woman. Yes. And I... so I suppose is uh, Jewel. So the outfit that she's wearing since we talked about sound effects being reused yes this outfit is reused for one of the gold in stargate Uh, and when she comes out wearing that outfit i'm always like you're wearing jewel's dress so jewel is kind of one of my most hated tropes it's usually in fantasy it sometimes shows up in sci-fi the elves the elves Specifically, elves thinking that they're better than everyone else and talking about it all the goddamn time. Because uh, she comes out and she's like, Oh, what are these filthy, disgusting creatures? How dare you gaze upon me with your dirt eyes? 
Uh, it's the same reason I don't like the Inhumans, although I think that was mostly a thing with the Ultimate Inhumans. Nerd crap. But I just... It's so irritating. And... I don't know. It's just I've never cared for it. And that's a lot of what this character is right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, she does She does have a haughty uh, air about her. Which is weird because I totally love, you know... Emma Frost? I'm trying to think of a... Lana Perea? Yes. I'm trying to think of a non-gendered insult way to describe this sort of character. Because there's Wait, a... Wait, I don't think haughty is gendered. No, that's not the word I'm thinking of. Oh, is it bitchy? Yes. I I really love powerful bitch characters, but I don't like, you know, haughty better than thou because of my race characters, which makes way more sense when I phrase it like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it does. It does. I, I I guess I don't have problems with I as an individual am better than you. I do have problems with I am I am better than you because of my race. Okay, never mind. Walked myself around on it. But yeah, I should like this character because I do like powerful bitch characters. And she she has a lot of that. But there's a racist component that just makes it not work at all for me. Well, see if you come around on her and as she kind of calms down. Hmm. So... This is a little bit hypocritical because I've been calling her Jewel and I'm going to continue to call her Jewel. Mm-hmm. But the character's name is Jewelushko Tonai Fenta Hovalis. And she is very adamant that she does not shorten her name. And John's like, okay, Jewel. And I'm like, that's kind of a dickish thing to do, John. Yeah. But I'm going to keep doing it because I'm not going to say her whole name every time I talk about her. Yeah. Sorry, Jewel. <laughs> Anyway, Maybe she's... if you didn't come out all racist. No. Yeah, everyone deserves to have their full name, no matter how, their real name, no matter how racist they are. Everybody deserves to be called what they want to be called. Yes. Yeah. But, but in this case, you're a fictional character, so we're just going with Jewel. There you go. Fictional character with a fictional issue, so. I mean, it's a real issue, but not for her. Right. So she is upset that her cousins have died, the other two Interions. She lets out this canary-esque scream that we see causes metal to melt black canary like a sonic scream yeah like banshee yeah like banshee i I mean i I guess black canary is probably the uh wider cultural touchstone yeah than banshee huh i guess there aren't really a ton of like sonic scream characters in pop culture like it's there's shriek from batman beyond there is there is shriek from batman beyond had a cool design. Yeah, that's a cool character. But I'm not sure how, like, culturally... Because I, I feel like someone might recognize Black Canary, if you mentioned, like, someone who's not into nerd culture might, because she's been in enough stuff. It's weird that Sonic Scream isn't used more because it's so easy to do on screen. Yeah, it, it's it's very easy to do on screen, and I guess the big thing is that it's kind of show-breaking, but... Or whatever, breaking, but I mean, TV shows always have balance issues. Because, you know, everyone takes an ass-kicking when it comes to Sonics. Like, uh, telepathy and magic are both co- are both concentration-based, and it's Sonic stuff is one of the few things that affects invulnerable people. Because it's like an inner ear thing, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, it, it's kind of broken as a power set. I guess Silver Banshee, maybe, from Supergirl, just because of the TV show. I did not remember that character. Yeah. She's the one who gets introduced as, like, an ordinary, uh... Like, she, she's Kara's rival at the Daily Planet for a few episodes, and she's, like, kind of dating Wynn, and then she gets fired, and uh, she discovers that she has Banshee powers and tries to kill, uh... Right, right, I remember Ellie now. Ellie McBeal. It's, it's not the Daily Planet, it's the... Yeah, it's the... Cat magazine. Yeah. Cat fancy. <laughs> fancy cat. <laughs> Farscape. So Jewel is very upset that her cousins are dead. She is, she is in mourning. And John does not want her to know that one of them died so that he could have her brain fluid. He He's just like, yeah, they both died. Don't worry about how. So they press Jewel's off button in the form of whacking her in the back of the head very hard. It's Rigel who tackles her. I'm kind of... So- uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised R- Rigel had the strength to take her out like that. Yeah, right? That either speaks very well to Rigel or very poorly for Jewel. Maybe she's like a paper cannon and she's very vulnerable while she's doing her shriek. Mm. So Moya starts to starburst and as we said, it does not go well. I do like how other people in the show also pointed out what a bad idea it is. Because it, it it feels easy to sit back, not in a spaceship that's stuck in another spaceship in a wormhole and judge. But when other people in the universe are also pointing out that it's a very bad idea, then, you know, justified. Yeah. Yeah. So John's like, sorry, pilot, you have to stop Starburst. And I guess stopping Starburst in the middle is very hard. So now... Pilot's in even more pain. Thanks, John. And it's probably like, uh, wow, I can't think of a non-gross example. Good. Well, just lot, lots of stuff. It's like lots of stuff. It's like shifting gears too fast. Sure. Sure. I've never used a uh, manual car. I don't know. It's like slamming on your brakes. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, I sat in the car with a, a friend of mine's mom was teaching how to drive manual. And I was in the car for that, and she asked me if I wanted to learn after, and I was like, no. Yeah. I, I, it seems like you would just die doing that. And I know it's how people drove for the vast majority of the history of driving, but, like, it seems like you would, there, there'd there be so many people stalling out on the highway and then dying, because you just... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I also cannot drive sticks, so... So, Pilot is in rough condition, and Stark goes over and starts licking his face to get, you know, to see how he's doing. Yeah. And Zan is trying to heal one of the Enterprise aliens, but only their leader would take the translator microbes, as I mentioned earlier. So, Zan's like, well, okay, I'll try to heal them, even though they can't communicate to me. This would be easier if they could communicate with me. I mean, should you be healing anyone? Aren't you dying? I mean, I know... Mm. She's she's gonna heal him with, like, tinctures and, and bandages. Oh, okay. She's, she's, not doing, she's not doing her, like, I take your pain thing. Yeah, no, she's not She's not up to doing that. I mean, honestly, she probably shouldn't be doing anything. I, but... I know, right? Do they not have dirt on Moya? I mean, it just seems like the sort of thing that you should have for a situation like this. I mean... That bandages and stuff, A so. situation like this? Oh, yeah, I guess... Zan dying, I mean, if she was aware that she might... Zan should, like, travel with a coffin of her home dirt like a vampire. Yeah. Again, not to delve too much into Delvian stuff, but... 
Well, I wonder if Delvian... Remember, she's on Moya because she was a prisoner. I wonder if non-prisoner Delvians do that when they travel. Probably, right? I mean, I'd imagine that would be... Again, it's like taking a first aid kit with you in your car. Huh. All right, I'm going to think on that. I I like that idea. So, But we never see another Delvian ever again. I think that's true. I might be wrong. Like, I'm prepared to be wrong. But yeah, I think we're done with Delvians. Almost. Almost done with Delvians. They ran out of blue paint. That's why they never did it again. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So, you know, why didn't they have something happen to Zan that just made her stop being blue? Yeah, she could have been exposed to weird solar radiation. I feel like they could have done that. Whatever. Anyway, (laughs) I I just, just a second, I'm like, you know, it's kind of crappy that they made Virginia Hay leave. Like, could have... Couldn't they have come up with something? Oh, well. Anyway, Pilot is unconscious because, you know, everything. (laughs) He's had a very unpleasant day. And John and the Enterprise alien are figuring out how they're going to go take measurements of the wormhole so they can figure out where to come out. And Aaron's like, hey, I have had, like, no lines this episode. Do you mind if I come up and have some lines? Well, she has to because... Pilot is unconscious, and she reminds us she knows how to operate Moya because she has, you know, been in Pilot's mind, and she has some Pilot DNA, like... You know, from that action figure that nobody bought. I think a lot of people bought that action figure. Oh. I I thought that was why it was so common at, uh... Oh, maybe that is true. Toy fairs. Although maybe it, it got overbought. You know, like how you always see, like, a ton of Search for She-Hulk trades at, yeah. uh, at comic conventions? Where you're like, okay, it's one of two things. <laughs> so, Aaron gets, like, super close to John's mouth to have, like, a super close argument with him about how he shouldn't go on a suicidal mission and die. And he's like, hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. And it's clearly, this is clearly a prelude to sex thing. But, or or a sexual tension thing. This is clearly a, I know I don't want to have sex with you. And so my feelings are coming out as worried that you're going to kill yourself before I get over not wanting to have sex with you. And the Star Trek alien's like, wow, she really hates you. And it's like, wow, emotions must be very different on your planet. Also, John's going out into the uh, wormhole to see if he can get readings of a good place to just kind of shove them out. Yeah. And so he... Since starbursting is not an option. Right. So he goes to the Farscape 1 with the little device that's going to record wormhole information. And she's like, ha ha, very funny. Where's your real ship? <laughs> and Zan is doing her chants and tinctures over the dead guy, but... Dead. Oh, it's, it's not going well. Especially once the evil wind kicks in. Yeah. It's like the Santa Ana wins. The devil wins. Also, the way the scene is staged, Zan is wrapped in a blue robe, and there's a shot where there's, like, a light behind her head that looks like a halo, and I'm like, this is the least subtle thing ever. Yes. Okay, so speaking of the least subtle thing, Aaron goes up to Pilot's den to open the hangar doors, and Stark is already up there because he's trying to help Pilot, and he gets, like, super close to Aaron, too close to Aaron, and he's like you know, you're really hot. And she's like, I know your girlfriend's dying, but no, no. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, you're with Zan, and I don't know how your relationship works, but 
I really don't feel comfortable boning you while your girlfriend is dying. Also, I don't really want to be lined up as your next girlfriend. Like, what is... It's a really weird moment. It is a really weird moment. I. It I has don't... no payoff. It's done. We're done with that weird moment. Okay. I, I, I don't get what they're doing there. Are they saying Stark's codependent? I, 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 yeah. I legitimately don't understand what the point of that scene was. I don't know. Maybe he feels like because Zan's life energy is what brought Aaron back, like a piece of Zan is still alive in her. In that case, he should be having sex with John, which we all know he wants to anyway. Yeah. Because they had unity. I guess it was different unity than the unity Zan had with Aaron because it was so much unity Zan is dying. So I guess it would make sense that he'd want the life energy that, although really he should just be, (laughs) there's your indie movie. He should just have sex with everyone she's had sex with. (laughs) I mean, unity with everyone she's had unity with. Huh. I, like an indie porno. I mean, indie movies and porn aren't really that far apart. No, no, but like a porno that's shot like an indie movie that's like... Yeah. With, with, with like the aesthetics of like a mumblecore movie, like a mumblecore porno. A mumble porn. Well, it'd be kind of like that Girl Who Died of Cancer movie that was really big in like the 70s. Was it Was it My Girl? Was that... Terms of Endearment? No, no. You know. Oh, Love Story. Love Story, yeah. Right, right. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Oh, that's a lie. But well, yeah. Whatever. But yeah, no, it's the same basic thing, except she dies at the beginning of the movie, and then to feel closer to her, he goes and has sex with everyone she's had sex with. We're assuming she's bisexual to make this premise work. What if she is in a car accident at the beginning of the movie, and she is an organ donor, and he has sex with everyone who has one of her organs? Oh, like, uh, spoilers for the movie Seven Pounds. But like in the movie Seven Pounds, except... Uh, you know he's ha- he was ha- he's was having sex with Will Smith, and then he has to have sex with everyone who got Will Smith's organs at the end of that movie. Or like that Mini Driver movie where David Duchovny falls in love with her because she has his girlfriend's heart. Yeah. Oh, Return to Me. That's what it's called. Return to Me. <sighs> so uh, far escape on the Star Trek ship. The Star Trek aliens are all talking, and they're like, "Hey, we have important wormhole technology here. It's." The most important thing that we save this ship, even if we have to kill everyone on Moya and Moya and also our entire crew. Like, the most important thing is the information on this ship. And elsewhere on the ship, Jewel and Rigel are alone, and that's never leave Rigel alone with someone. Seriously. And Rigel's like, so, uh, your cousins, they're dead. It wasn't that gruesome, you know, when their hearts exploded and they vomited blood everywhere. And Jules like, you are an animal, which uh, I mean, I guess he kind of is, yeah. Rigel's like, well, also, Crichton needed a brain and Chiana comes in and is like, Storm, on how to save them, but he failed. And uh, Jules like, how dare you take that familiar tone with me, you alien whore. And I'm like, oh my god, is she from the Dynasty planet? Is that what's going on? Oh man, I think I'd like her a lot more if she was from the Dynasty planet. But yeah, no, I mean, she does lose me when she calls Chiana a whore because like... It's based on nothing. She doesn't know anything about Chiana. Yeah. Also, if it's based on like what Chiana's wearing, I will point out that you're wearing an outfit from the same weird leather collection. 
Although Rigel pipes up with, yeah, she is a whore. She slept with her fiance's son. How do you know that? And she asks, like, oh my god, I super don't feel like dealing with you, so have fun with Rigel. Which, yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, eh, she's a recurring character, apparently. So John takes Rigel with him on the Farscape 1 because, you, you know, before I was like, why? Why would you do that? And now I'm like, oh, because he knows that he's going to give up the, the game to Jewel and tell her that it's John's fault that her cousin's dead. Wormhole's uh, still looking like a certain part of human anatomy one doesn't normally see. But yeah, so they're flying through. But the- also, it's just the blue water that every sci-fi show uses as a special effect to represent wormholes. Yeah, ribbed, but yeah. I I always feel like it's supposed to look like like a like a river. Oh, I think I it it, it strikes me as intestinal, but I guess that's just because it's a tube. Yeah, it's like if you were traveling through like a. If you were th- traveling through a tube that went underwater, like, that's what it would look like. Yeah, if you were a surfer. Yes. Yeah. They, they, they do that sometimes. Anyway, Aaron goes to talk to Darga. She's like, hey, you can stop pulling off pilot sensor stuff because he's unconscious now. He's been unconscious for an hour. Darga's like, why didn't you tell me? And Aaron's like, well, because, uh... You... I don't want to talk to you right now. Also, you look like you needed to pull at things. And, and I, I like Aaron's like, do you want to talk? Which is so much growth for Aaron. Can you imagine Aaron of season one being like, do you want to talk about your feelings? Nope. Yeah, Aaron has had a whole character, several character arcs even. I love Aaron. Anyway, then a, the snake flies through the, the tubes of the ship. And Aaron's like, uh, the fuck? Good, we needed an extra thing to deal with. There weren't enough things. Things to deal with. Yeah. Well, she remembers that Zan saw a hallucination of a snake and is like, oh, so not a hallucination then. Real snake. Yup. It's time to that Samuel L. Jackson movie. uh... Snakes on a Moya. Yeah. I'm getting sick and tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking Leviathan. Open the cargo bay doors. Yeah. That whole movie was really just sold off of memeability, huh? Yeah. And even had that song that was done by that band about snakes on a plane. Yeah. It's it was very catchy. It was I think Make It Out Alive. I don't remember the song. I remember it, the movie, but I don't remember the song. Yeah. It, it was catchy in a sort of early two thousands pop punky way. Got it. I don't know. I've described a lot of stuff as pop punk. I have no idea how accurate that is, but. <laughs> On the Farscape 1, John and Rigel are having a conversation about how Rigel is so selfish all the time. And John's like, how come you only ever think of yourself? And Rigel's like, we're only together because we all happen to break out of the same prison. You should be thinking about yourself. <sighs> so... It's Zen's turn to go up to Pilot and lick him all over his face. People are being very touchy-feely with Pilot this episode. Well, he's in a lot of pain. I guess the right people are being touchy with Pilot if you're in a lot of pain, because I guess uh, Stark can guide the pain to death. Yeah. But, um... Like, is that killing nerve cells? or 
I guess he he can just use his regular telepathic powers too, because he has got some just basic telepathy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not all about death all the time, but it is about death right now because Zan is dying. In case you forgot, if you forgot, Zan is dying. Zan is dying. Well, also, it feels like Moya might be dying, and I think it's interesting that they never explain why Zan is feeling so bad and so guilty about this. They just expect us to remember, which I. I appreciate, I appreciate the respect they have for us, but they just expect us to remember that Zan was appointed the protector of Moya by the Leviathan God, and she knows that even as she dies, she's failing to protect Moya. Yeah. Sorry. So, in the wormhole, Rigel's like, hey, why don't we just escape, and tries to take the controls away from John. And John punches him in the face, and he's like, you broke my nose. And John's like, you don't really have a nose. He has a little nose. He says, you don't have a nose, you have slits, which is true. Hmm. He only has nostrils. And Rigel is very upset at having been punched in the nose. But, you know, don't try to take the wheel from the driver. Yeah, that's, I think, basically never a good idea. I don't think that's ever been a good idea. Nope. Aaron on Moya decides to confront the Star Trek alien and is like, um, how come there's a snake on the ship now? And the Star Trek alien's like, don't worry, it doesn't even see us. No biggie. It's a wormhole snake. Is it a wormhole worm? Oh, yeah. Oh, they should... Mm, no, that sounds gross. <laughs> they should call them whole worms. But yeah, you're right. That's uh. Yeah, no, it's a wormhole worm. Yeah, it lives in the wormhole. Yeah. And it, like, as such, exists on, like, a different frequency and doesn't even see them, so... You know, don't worry about it. It's just a snake prophet, don't worry. That's a it's a DS9 reference. Ah. Uh, meanwhile, everyone is yelling at each other. Uh, the ships are becoming more and more merged. And uh, snakes are about... Yeah, this, the snake is... Uh, the snake is chasing Chiana and Jewel, who run into where Aaron and the Star Trek alien are talking and Jewel starts screaming and very important conduits on Moya start melting. God damn it, Jewel. I love how exas- how just immediately exasperated Aaron is with Jewel. Well, like, I mean, seriously. Like Jewel starts screaming and Aaron turns to her like, really? Really? And... Stark relates to Dargo the news that uh, Moya is definitely dying from being inside the wormhole. It is bad. Well, I, and having that other ship stuck in her, presumably. That can't be helping. Yeah, yeah. Although he says that it's the wormhole that's killing her. Weird. Eh, no. I guess you're not really supposed to hang out in wormholes. You're supposed to just use them to get from one place to the other. It just makes me think of the... Uh, Futurama episode, The Deep South, where they're underwater. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's almost there's almost a hundred atmospheres of pressure on the ship. And they ask, how many atmospheres can the ship withstand? He says, well, it's a spaceship. So between zero and one. <laughs> That's one of the best Futurama jokes. <sighs> so, uh, Rigel says his goodbyes to Zan because everyone's going to say their goodbyes to Zan. And uh, he's like, I have always considered your counsel. And she's like, great, okay, let's move this on to, you know, I want to get to the other ones. 
Meanwhile, John is doing, you remember those like uh, little view masters, view master things from when you were a kid and you'd have one and then it would have like the Grand Canyon on it. So you could look at the Grand Canyon. Uh-huh. John's looking at a multiversal version of that. Right. It's from, from the device that they took into the wormhole to take recordings. And then we go into his brain where he's parking with Scorpius watching uh, all of these different universes in a drive through movie screen. Yeah, in a drive-in. Yeah. I would think one would not want to park with Scorpius, but okay. Well, he wants Scorpius's opinion on this because Scorpius is the only person... Well, I was going to say the only person as knowledgeable as John is about wormholes, but I guess... There are lots of people that we've met that know about wormholes, but... Chip Scorpius. Yes, yes. He's the one that John has access to. So he wants he wants Scorpius's opinion about everything. And Scorpius is like, why should I help you? And John's like, I can throw you in the dumpster again, remember? You were in my brain dumpster. And uh, Chip Scorpius is just really not happy about this situation. Yeah, yeah. John tells Scorpius that... Essentially, they've realized that they can't separate Moya without killing one of the ships. So they don't know what to do. Both ships can't stay intact. And Scorpius is like, oh, well, that's easy. Because the one ship has all of the wormhole information you need. And the other is just Moya. And John's like, yeah, but Moya's a living thing and their ship isn't. And... Scorpius is like, hmm, looks like you might have a moral quandary to figure out there, buddy. Yeah. Oh, so back in reality, outside of John's brain, Dargo's like, well, why don't we just take the information off the ship and then save Moya? And the Star Trek alien tells him that in true Star Trek fashion, the entire ship is essentially a computer chip. So you can't just take the information off of it. You would chip, Moya! Thank you. So, in addition to the uh, moral quandary of saving the information or saving Moya, which I feel like is not a moral quandary, but whatever. Nope. It may become a question of saving Moya or saving themselves. It's it's hard. I mean, you wouldn't want to get on, say, Talon's bad side. I feel like even if you... We're looking at this in a practical way where you're like, oh, well, we need that information. So screw you, Moya. You really don't want to piss off Dallin. Well, to make a practical argument against saving Moya, Mm -hmm. John mentions that when the Farscape 1 crashed into the side of the wormhole when Rigel was trying to wrestle control of it, the biomechanoid parts of his Farscape 1 were fried. So there's a better chance of the Star Trek ship surviving the trip to get out of the wormhole than Moya. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a factor to consider. It's a tricky situation. Yeah. It's a real trolley problem. And uh, speaking of things that aren't moral quandaries, that are just Rigel being a dick... Rigel is finally alone with Jewel, and he's like, hey, guess what? I have news for you about... How one of your cousins died. Because he's he's honked about John punching him in the face. So he's going to seek his revenge by telling Jewel that John murdered her cousin. Yeah. Why is Jewel doing so well? I guess they were frozen for different reasons. Yes. Because I'm like, Jules doing a really good job not dying in this situation, so. 
Yeah. Because the other ones were like... Yeah, this is this is part of why I was like, hey, maybe uh, maybe that diagnostician should have been a little more curious about whether or not people were actually inches from death when they were frozen. Mm. And then there's a really touching scene where Zan runs into Chiana and Chiana's like, I love Moya and I don't want Moya to die, but I don't want to die either. And our best chance is not on Moya. It's really sad yeah and zan embraces chiana because zan is getting her sainthood i guess (laughs) well i mean now is the time so john is alone in a cargo bay and jewel comes in and her hair which we didn't mention before but her hair was like kind of a a natural ginger color Mm -hmm. is now bright red she's angry and she tries to shoot him but can't like is physically having issues with the gun, which, yeah, you're super advanced, Jewel. Just because she doesn't know how to operate the gun. Although then she fires and she misses John. My species is too advanced for this filthy uh, weaponry. And Well, also, she's like, she's like, your brain is so dumb and my cousin's brain was so smart. And you took away his brain just for the little bit of fluid you needed? Dick. And then Dargo comes up behind her and tongues her because Dargo does not have time for this bullshit. Yeah, Dargo's like, okay, I don't care what your deal is with new girl. Like, we we don't have time for whatever it is you two are doing. And John's like, she's trying to kill me. And Rigel's like, mm, mm, I bet you I end up having sex with her. So you don't know this, but... A really important plot point happened just now for an ongoing plot that we'll come to later. Did Dargo accidentally poison Jewel? No, no. But there's a ship in the cargo bay that in the very opening moments of the show, we saw that there had been a ship brought aboard. Mm-hmm. And when Jewel fired the weapon at John and missed, she hit the ship, but it had a shield that protected it. And when that happened, Dargo noticed... a. Uh, a weak spot in the shield, but a weak spot isn't the right word because it's it's there on purpose. It's the gap where you access the ship. And Dargo has realized that he's closer to figuring out how to get inside this ship. Okay, and there's something important in this ship? Yes. Okay. <gasps> His wife's corpse. No. <gasps> Jothy 2. <laughs> <laughs> the ship kind of is Jothy 2 in a way. Because it's a Luxon relic. Oh, okay. Eh, Who cares about my kid? I got a neat car. (laughs) Bachelorhood! So, I I kind of like Dargo here. Uh, he, He looks at the unconscious jewel and he's like, All right, John, listen up. We're trapped in a wormhole. We've got Star Trek aliens wanting to kill Moya. My son had sex with my girlfriend. Please lock up Jewel because I cannot deal with one more goddamn thing. I do really enjoy Dargo in this moment. So the Star Trek aliens are up to something. Yeah. We know that whatever the plan is that they have, one of the crew on the Star Trek ship is going to have to go to her death. Yeah. And it's all very Lord Farquaad. You know, many of you will die for this mission, but that is a sacrifice I am willing to make. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. 
Because the the alien that's going to die for this plane to go off is like, but I don't want to die. And the other alien's like, hey, hey, this is hard on me too. I'm going to have to write a report when I get back. And you know how much I hate writing reports. So some sympathy, come on. She also mentions her family in a way that is not explained here, but makes it sound like when aliens of this race go on missions, their families are kind of held accountable for what they do, which is messed up, messed up. They should do what the Starfleet does and just, you know, make the kids be on the ship with their parents. (laughs) Oh, no, the kindergarten deck. I know we talked this to death earlier, but God, that freaks me out. I can't imagine. I can't imagine going into space with our daughter. Like, you know. No way. No way. Mm-mm. Like, Q throws a temper tantrum and whoops. Whole, all the kids are gone. Or that thing that happened in Rascals. That speaks so poorly to the Federation that, like, but three members of the bridge crew, or two, two members of the bridge crew and uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Like, a few people get turned into kids, and that lets, like, just... The Ferengi were a much more um, powerful-seeming enemy in Next Gen than they are in Deep Space Nine. Okay, because it, it seems kind of like yeah, later a bunch you're... of sleazy guys just took over a military vessel. Like, a couple of sleazy guys were like, hey, we've got switchblades, and now we have this entire military base under control because one general got drunk. That's what that episode feels like. Yeah. Yeah. How did we get... Oh, right. Aliens. So, Chiana is trying to fix the panels on Moya, and she's like, yeah, you know what? It's... Moya's fried. There's, there is no way to save Moya. You would fry Moya? And Aaron's like, all right. Uh, heads up, that's not going to stop anytime soon. <sighs> Just a warning. All right. So Aaron's like, okay, well, I guess we have to abandon Moya. Abandon ship. Abandon ship. And everyone is very sad about this. Zan feels especially guilty, as I mentioned, because, you know. She's 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 supposed to. She's she's had a god given mission. She's like a a, pa- a blues brother. She's a blues brother. She's on a mission from God. Yeah. And she's blue. And she's and she's blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Stark tells her that she shouldn't feel guilty about this. That she has healed so many people that they. Once her life is saved, she'll be able to heal so many more people. She's having... (laughs) He's having his life-changing adventure with Zuko. Everyone's getting their life-changing adventure with Zuko moment with Zan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so... Chiana is very messed up about everything, and Dargo's like, Hey, I still really hate you, but I can't not comfort you when you're sad, so... Here we are. Here they are. Yep. So Aaron's talking to the Star Trek alien who's like, have you ever been responsible for someone else's death? (laughs) Yeah. Aaron's like, oh, sweetie. I have to kill like four people every morning before breakfast. Don't talk to me until I've killed my four people is what I say. (laughs) Anyway, the Star Trek alien's like, I've never been responsible for someone else's death. Aaron's like, literally cannot imagine that. Yep. 
Meanwhile, John sees the Three Stooges. John is in Pilot's Den and he's looking through his viewfinder and he sees an image of the Three Stooges, which means that the wormhole that they are currently in is connected to Earth. And he's like, holy shit! The wormhole we're currently in is connected to Earth! But then before he can do anything, the snake comes out and pushes him off the platform he's on. So now he's holding on to the edge of the platform. It's literally a cliffhanger! Bum bum bum! I think that the editing team may have snuck some family photos into the uh, montage of the viewfinder looking at all the different universes. Because it's a lot of still images and they go by pretty fast i'm pretty sure i saw a family like on vacation at the grand canyon oh interesting i know that we see the image of the thank god it's friday again and again and again planet and i think we also see the scarin who imprisoned john in won't get fooled again Mm. but i think you're probably right there were some family photos in there so that is this episode coulda woulda shoulda you know i liked it more in retrospect going over it i just i feel like the things that annoyed me about it kind of blocked out the how enjoyable the rest of the episode is i really liked rewatching this episode there's a lot in it and there's there's a lot of like meaningful moments in this episode yeah so I'm sorry, Jewel fans, but I think the the biggest reason that I was like, uh, I didn't like this episode was Jewel. And we're getting more of her, so. I do feel like she kind of chills out a little bit, though. That's that's good. I, I should mention, um, someone on our Facebook page suggested, and I, I really like this, that they feel like, and this is part of us talking about Farscape as though it's a D&D game. Mm-hmm. They really felt like the player who is playing Zan, who it really feels like she kind of jumps over and is playing Stark later. Mm-hmm. And then there are more characters. It feels like she kind of jumps around. I, there are two other characters in addition to Stark that I feel like are that player. Mm-hmm. And someone on our Facebook page suggested that it feels like that player is getting more and more annoyed with the rest of the crew with each iteration. <laughs> And I kind of really like that reading of it. Uh, I, I was actually, I was that player during, when I was in middle school, I played a few D&D campaigns and there was one game where I was just constantly switching characters, which is also why I never got super into World of Warcraft, because when people are like Alliance or Horde, I'm like, I've got tons of characters of both because I play for about three hours as like different class race combos uh-huh. and like never really leveled anyone up past I, I guess i guess um i i just realized in one of the D campaigns that i was in i was jewel i played i played one character and then when that character died i played that character's sister who came looking for revenge on the people who had killed my sister not knowing that it was the party that i had joined up with Okay, I'm very sorry about this, but that's, I, I, I think the movie's called Beer Pong, but that's literally a plot, and it, it's a movie about a, bu- a bunch of guys who, like, were friends in college and played in this beer pong tournament. Oh, right, I, I, I haven't seen it, but it's, it, that's a Broken Lizard, is that the? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's those guys, right? Yeah. And they have 
the twin brother of one of the guys. Yeah, one of the guys gets killed by a rival beer pong team. And his, and at his funeral, his identical twin brother's like, Hi, I'm Texas brother. And uh, I heard what happened. With, you know, I heard that you guys were really there for my brother. And I just want to take his place on your team. And I'm going to take his nickname in tribute to my brother Tex. And also I'm going to start having sex with his wife. Okay, well, my, my character was kind of, was was the opposite of that. Like, the character who died had been a rogue, and her sister was a wizard. And Oh, oh it, like, it wasn't like, in honor of my sister, I have the exact same stats, and my name is... Oh, no, no, she, I, I, I specifically made a character that was, like, the polar opposite of the character I had made the first time. Oh. And, and, like, it had, it was, there was a real, like good sister bad sister dynamic the one who died had been the bad sister and the one who came looking for revenge was the good sister i i I think it's interesting that you're not not honing in on the fact that my own party killed me (laughs) it's because i had a evil knife that made me evil wasn't your character already evil wouldn't that make her better able to deal with an evil knife (laughs) no she she wasn't evil she was just a rogue I thought she was the bad sister. She was the rebel. Oh, not bad as an evil. Yeah. She was the sister who didn't, like, do all the things her parents wanted her to do. Segments. So uh, the next episode is Self-Inflicted Wounds Part 2, Wait for the Wheel. Mm -hmm. And the episode description is the crew must extricate Moya from the fused alien vessel and escape the wormhole, which... I feel like you could have written the description right now, not having seen the episode. Doesn't doesn't epi- give us a lot. Next episode of Farscape. Something is wrong with the ship. We have to fix the ship. Well, I feel more uh, more like the problems we introduced in this episode that haven't been <laughs> continue solved. Continue in the next episode. Exactly. Plot lines continue. Okay, Wikipedia actually has an entry that um, would be more, would give us a little bit more if we hadn't already been talking about the thing that's definitely going to happen. The Wikipedia synopsis on the list of Farscape episodes article is, When it becomes clear that only one of the two ships must survive, the crews of Moya and the Pathfinder vessel must make a choice. In the end, one of Moya's own must make the ultimate sacrifice. Guess who's gonna die next week? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Boy, Farscape is uh, cutting the knees out from Charmed, because I was about to say, uh, Zan's going to get Prue Hollowell, except... But Prue Hollowell hasn't been Prue Hollowell yet, really. Prue is going to get Zand. Poor Prue. Also in the new series, apparently they're also killing off the oldest sister in the third season, at the end of the third season, so... I saw an article about that, even though we're not watching the new Charmed. All right, let's get to our segments. Yeah. Our first segment is a distant part of the universe, which is what world building worked for you? Uh, I I guess I don't remember if we were just making jokes about this or if it was actually introduced earlier, but I do like the fact that they're looking for a planet with dirt for Xan, that she is legitimately going to be buried to sort of be reborn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is what's happening. It's it's very Groot, you know, before Groot. I guess Groot is also very Zan. Mm. Although, he was a comics character before. But do they have the thing, like, in the movies? The, the regenerating yeah, thing? Yeah. He... I did not read Old Guardians of the Galaxy. I read some Old Guardians of the Galaxy, but I never... I, I didn't read anything about that that I remember. Yeah. 
I mean, the main thing I looked into it for was uh, the 30th century Phoenix guy. Ah, of course. Which I love his design so much, but like, I need to actually read his appearances. I, I think it's pretty divorced from... The Phoenix mythology has shifted so much over the past few years. Anyway. Speaking of uh, your interest in the Phoenix and redheaded people in general, mm-hmm. the world building that I liked is so silly, but I love that Jewel has mood-changing hair color. That is pretty great. I just... Because she's like a... She, it's like a predator, right? Her hair changes color as a warning. Our second segment is Strange Alien Creatures, which is what alien design or puppetry worked for you this week uh, I it's it's kind of a little thing because i don't generally care for the lizard people designs but the fact that they have these kind of like gill holes i thought was an interesting touch like there's just sort of these little circles on the uh, either side of their neck mm-hmm. and uh I, I don't know it was a detail where i'm like yeah that kind of really sells the amphibianness of them i don't know why that just popped out to me I really liked the way that their design felt like a direct rebuke to Star Trek. It really felt like, look, you could do humanoids with prosthetics and still have them look genuinely alien, Star Trek. Like, Forehead ridges. What's 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 the one alien that's just like this? Like, it's just like a little extra line. The yeah, there's, like, one little extra line between uh, the bridge of the nose, like, at the bridge of the nose. And I'm like, what is that? That that has to be the laziest thing possible. Like, how would you even know someone is Bajoran? How, if, they if, also have the earring. That's, like, a religious thing. <laughs> it just, it feels so lazy, but... Mm. <laughs> I mean, and I... You know, I don't mind having a space full of human aliens. It, it it doesn't super bother me. It's It just feels weird to do that much extra work for some. And I, I get it. I get it. You know what? I talk myself around. Bajorans don't bother me. The trills just have dots down the side of their face. The trills just have a lot of freckles. Wait, I thought the trills thing was that they were like parasites that inhabited people. Okay. The trills, as far as looking different from other aliens, is that they have dots. And I said down their face, but it actually goes all the way down their body. Hmm. But they, so they have like a, they have a racing stripe. Trills have a racing stripe. But also, trills have the ability to have a host that passes from person to person, like a, uh, like the Gawuld in Stargate, except voluntarily. So really more like the, uh, the Tok'ra in Stargate. But not all trills are hosts. It's like an honor that you get. So Jadzia is a host, but that's because Jadzia is like, went through the training and had the honor to be a host. Okay. <laughs> and and then when she dies, she gets put inside of Ezra because Ezra is the only trill who's right there, even though she's not prepared to be a host. And is the host still conscious or? Yeah, it's like you. You, become... you merge personalities. Yeah. It's like you're all roommates inside someone's uh, head. <laughs> Brain palace, mind palace. Yeah, mind palace. Our final segment is The Wonders That I've Seen, which is what emotionally resonated with you in this episode. I felt like I had a lot. I feel really bad because this is an episode that was full of genuine, actual emotional moments. But my bit is when Darko just lists all of the things that are happening and he's like, as a prelude to him being like, 
I am too tired to deal with this woman. Please just put her in a prison cell. The fact that he's just, he lists everything. He's like, this is, these are all of the reasons I don't have the emotional bandwidth to deal with this situation. I think it's a really strong character point for Dargo, who usually when he's frustrated, throws giant temper tantrums. Yeah, it's a moment of growth for him. Which leads into mine, because mine is the moment of growth for Aaron, where she's like, hey, Dargo, are you okay? Tell me about your feelings. I'm just so touched that Aaron has, like, come so far in so short a time. But I think... Yeah, I guess that will about do it. Yeah. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, go to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Mm-hmm.